Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing? Uh, I'm Colin Rivas, and you're not. And we are back on the show now. Colin Rivas Show, colinrivas.tv. You can, you know, register there, subscribe. Help me a lot. And also go to Leo Zagami's website, Leo Zagami's website, and also on Band YouTube that you're probably watching now from there, Leo Zagami. Uh, .com, leozagami.com, that's L-E-O-Z, if you're British, or Z, if you're American, A-G-A-M-I.com, and you go there, that is beautiful, and you have a lot of information, Leo Leon Zagami, as you know, is a writer, researcher, and the son of Dr. Ilio Zagami, known as the Jungian Analyst, writer, and co-founder of GAPA, G-A-P-A, Independent Group of Analytic Psychology, of which he was president, and his grandfather was Senator Leopoldo Zagami, a Sicilian politician who was also known a historian as a historian and an author and who married into the aristocratic family of the Marquis of uh, De Gregorio. Huh? his mother also was awesome and member of a family of the Queen Mother of England. As, as you know, Leo Zagami has also his own show on Alex Jones, band.video, Infowars, whatever you want to call it. We say hi to Alex from here, too, and everyone... Um, in Texas, Texas is resisting. Oh yeah, banzai, banzai, everyone in Texas. Yeah, banzai. Kashimoto is going on, man. Kashimoto is is going going on on about there. And we have our friend Leo Zagami. He's going to talk about secret societies, and we also discuss a little bit about the uh, the tractors, the farmers, the growers. They're coming up in England. Today, England started the uh, strike, and uh, farmers and growers are being threatened by that uh, 2030 agenda, the Agenda 2030, that agenda that wants to give all the food and all the lands to uh, the big corporations, uh, our friend Bill Gates and Soros and all these people. So we'll talk about them because they also come from secret societies, all these uh, entangling thing going on. And there is Leo. Leo. Good morning in America. Good morning, America. Hello there. Uh, always a pleasure to be uh, with you for this show. Hopefully, we're going to be discussing some interesting topics as usual. Oh, we always discuss interesting things because you're an interesting guy. You know a lot. I don't know nothing. I just learn from you and from everyone. I shut up and you talk. <laughs> and also people have fun because you have to be entertaining and and people have fun, you know, and and and, and, and take life as a philosophy is something joyous something fun not 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 be all pessimistic and catastrophic and and evil yeah so uh i i i, I was listening to some some of the um yesterday the uh political you know conference that trump had in i don't know somewhere in the midwest South Carolina, in carson a great, in North, a great he's, he's in the south he's in the south he, he's so winning he's rally. winning by a mile one of his rallies where he gets like, a lot of uh, people together and this time it was dedicated to get out and vote to get out to vote which is basically of course the, the, the pro, pro, pushing people to go and vote is important uh, this year especially in the united states uh, this might be the most important election we ever had because the, the hindu guy the pajit and, and and the other 
Well, I call Paji, I call Pajis to all the Indians because they're a bit crazy people. No, no, I mean, uh, all the other non primary runners, Ron DeSantis considered too. The only one that uh, stayed in the race and still is the past is that Nikki Haley, who is definitely Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, that, that's the Tasmanian devil of the military industrial complex, uh, who wants never ending wars, and it's, it's definitely somebody. Uh, I have a better one than that. This is louder, man. I mean, this is louder. You, you bought the other one. I just painted. Oh, my God. He's and giving it back to you. The people. The, the people. The people. I guess mine is a little bit louder, eh? <laughs> There's also a lot of controversy. Uh, I was talking. I was talking. I was talking about this to uh, Jordan, and I remember Michael Sermon years ago about the, even the Constitution saying the people with capital letters. There is a bit of a conspiracy there from secret societies too. They say uh, some of the Masons, or perhaps some Mason, um, was infiltrated there. Some of the Masons that were good, some bad. I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of controversy about this, even in the Constitution, right? The Constitution. Uh, uh, they even say that first they set subjects, then slaves, then they change it to something they they want even to crown. Uh, they want to crown um, George Washington as as a king. Now it happens that I heard Donald Trump rally yesterday that uh, George Washington statues were being removed too. So I mean I don't understand anything. You, they go from Mason to Christian, like you know, like a no, Tuscaloosa. Uh, I mean, uh, what happened uh, back in the days when, uh, of course, they put together this great nation of the United States of America in 1776 uh, was a choice. The choice, uh, the choice, uh, I discuss actually profusely in one of my books, in Volume Seven, in particular, in the last chapter, of Volume Seven, uh, and I discuss it because it's important to understand. Uh, uh, why they chose uh, a republic rather than a monarchy. So, I mean, the choice was made inspired by the fact that the monarchies were in crisis at the time in Europe. So I don't think we will yeah. ever have that problem here in the United States. But the problem uh, of the United States at the moment, of course, is that this republic as a great constitution has uh, the best to my, I mean, to my knowledge, the best constitution in the world, but it's also, of course, very weak uh, uh, in comparison to this growing uh, dictators. How you want to define them? The, the, the fact that you have, of course, Xi Jinping that will be dominating for the rest of uh, his life. Putin. Putin is behind everything nowadays. Putin, Putin is behind uh, the bad ones. Putin. Putin, Putin is behind everything that's evil and bad. You know, he's behind the farmers and the growers. He's behind Leo Zagami. He's behind Alex Jones. He's behind Putin. Is like Super Putin. We should call him God Putin, King Putin, or something. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Apart, he's from, like apart, apart from the Joe, I think the problem here is that, of course, most of the people who go to Washington are corrupt. We have maybe five hundred people in Congress and. They don't really do the interest of the people. Once they arrive in Washington, as most politicians do in the Western world, they kind of get cozy with the lobbyists, with the big military industrial complex that is, of course, also connected. We have the big pharma and all the rest. And so in the end, these people who get elected to represent us, they don't really represent us any longer. Now, we have, of course, an opportunity with, uh, uh, with Donald J. Trump, but I mean, it's a unique opportunity because we are here 
in the United States. So uh, in a place that still is kind of working out itself, uh, uh, fighting the growing system of government, which is now known as autocracy. Autocracy is basically a system by one pers person with absolute power. And Trump never really, uh, it's never be really been like that. I mean, Trump, for example, conducted itself in, in, in the first, uh, I mean, in the four years of his uh, first presidency, mm -hmm. and we hope, of course, it will be followed up by a second presidency uh, later on. But uh, he things that they accuse him of, he never did. So, I mean, if he wanted to be a dictator, he could have done it by uh, subverting the system within his first four years. Um, I repeat, the problem here is that deep state, we call it the deep state, we call it all those people who have been corrupted also by foreign countries like Russia or China. And, uh, and this was also demonstrated in a way by, uh, by what uh, Putin said during the interview with Tucker Carlson, the fact that he knew that, for example, Tucker Carlson had... Uh, had uh, you know uh, in its youth uh, had asked to join the CIA. It was CIA. It was yeah, CIA. I mean that is. I've already dedicated uh, a whole show to this topic without anything against Tucker, but it demonstrates instead the knowledge that Putin had uh, has and ha uh, and had, uh, of course, as a KGB agent of what uh, is going on here in the United States of America. So I think that. Uh, uh, the, the problem is that the, these growing autocracies, this, uh, this, uh, which is basically a form, it's almost like a monarchy. Most forms of monarchy are considered autocracy. And, 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 and it's, it, it, you know, when every four years you have to change the whole show and send mm -hmm. new people and then you have a new president and you don't really have the time to uh, establish yourself. Uh, Trump needed eight years. That, that's, I think, has been the great loss for the United States of America, the fact that he really needed eight years in order to establish its, uh, itself and to change America and make it a better place. But like I said, he never really uh, was in any way a dictator. He never uh, used, uh, instrumentalized uh, the federal yeah, authorities. Right. What you're saying is he was not as as you know as coercive as as, as 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 implementing coercion as as other presidents and whatever. Right. Uh, talking Biden about is, Biden is the guy who wanted to invest more money for more IRS agents instead of more money for more uh, border patrol and more agents so that could protect this nation from falling into the hands of foreign powers. Because now we have seen uh, that China is one uh, is sending us basically thousands and thousands, if, uh, if not millions, in the coming years of immigrants here illegally. Uh, you, you, you might uh, think they are all coming from Central or South America, but we know that's not the case. They are coming from all over the place now on the border here with America. And China is, the, is apparently, for an investigation that was actually conducted by 60 Minutes, uh, it is uh, the, the, the place with the most rap rapidly grown number of uh, illegal immigrants that are flooding this country. Once a Chinese enters America, it's very difficult 
to actually identify him because uh, the characteristics of the Chinese uh, make it very easy for them to stay in their in their uh, uh, they look like they look like they're not no, like no, Mexicans. They have you know a Chinatown in each city. They they usually yeah. have uh, a way of disguising themselves within. They, they blend in. They blend in like any other Chinese. You cannot distinguish. Yeah. You can't California. distinguish. So then what happens? It happens that, for example, representatives of the military or of the Chinese Communist Party have been able to infiltrate in the last few months and come into illegally into America. And of course, they are here to sabotage the, this, this great nation. When it comes to Vladimir Putin, we have also Russians that are, of course, trying to come here. But most Russians are actually uh, coming here illegally also for Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is not somebody who encourages foreign migration. It's really no. difficult to actually get a visa and get out of Russia. Uh, on he, the said, he sends migration to Finland and Sweden. He sends a lot of uh, Muslim people there. And the Finnish, they told me, and the Swedish, that they're a bit, uh, you know, upset about that. So because you know he, he knows how to destabilize the area. However, putting he could he could have destroyed America, you know, uh, during the interview. He could have said, "Well, look, you all woke. You're like America's going down." But but he was he was very. I mean, I think he was very weak about you know. Mm, he was very diplomatic, very diplomatic. Ooh. Ooh. Putin during the interview with Carson. I I thought I, I thought he could have uh, personally the interview went very well for both of them. Yeah, it, I mean maybe maybe Tucker could have done a couple of more uh, maybe more uh, complex questions. Uh, yeah, tough questions, yeah. Tough questions, but, but having said that, I mean Tucker's uh, way of doing journalism was pretty much reflected in his interview and uh, uh, I was surprised maybe about this, 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 the fact that he didn't realize immediately how important history is for Putin. Everybody knows that uh, uh, history is actually a very important, if not the main uh, interest of Vladimir Putin. He never really graduated or uh, took a PhD in history, but he has always been studying history and he relies very much on the past in order to make, don't not make the same mistakes in the future. So, uh, but listen, Leo, Leo, but, but wasn't it funny that Carson asked him about Ukraine and then suddenly he started talking about a fairy tale of a Slavic king like the Princess Bride? He's like, and this king in the 1800s or whatever. No, and, is. And, 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 uh, listen, man, if you actually uh, go on volume nine of my confessions. There is a whole chapter dedicated to the history of uh, Russia, the secrets of Russian Freemasonry, and how the Ukrainian identity was created, generated. Show the book. Show the book. Show the book. Huh? Show the book. Show the it's, book, man. Leo Zagami Confessions, volume number nine. And, 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 and in this book, I, I am very much into 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 into. Uh, you know, analyzing the history of Russia. I don't think, though, that Putin wanted to focus so much on uh, the uh, on those forces that during the 19th century attacked Russia gradually. I mean, he did, of course, he explained certain things, but he couldn't really maybe openly say, you know, uh, the Illuminati 
uh, in particular because the Illuminati came from Germany and then of course through Poland uh, they influenced very much exercised a lot of influence in the creation of those secret societies that eventually will create the Ukrainian identity. Uh, there was also secret society connected to the Russian Orthodox Church that were also um, involved uh, at that time. And there is also Russian Freemasonry that he never really mentions because he's in a very good relationship with the Russian Freemasonry, Vladimir Putin. I explained this also in this book. Uh, but of course there is also various forms of Freemasonry and there is a form of Freemasonry that was also um, and we discussed I think this in the past uh, involved with uh, the creation of the Soviet Union with exactly. uh, Vladimir Lenin so uh, without going back and uh, repeating yourself, you, you, got, you know Leo you got to get along to play along you got to play along and get along you know you know what it means you know I mean no no but yeah, I think I'll... that uh, his uh, explanation though it went very much the back, no, he went. Yeah, it was like back. a fairy tale of fucking Lord of the Rings. It's like I know, because the Russian the, Islamic king, you know, that because the history of both the Russian church and Russia passes through Ukraine, it was uh, uh, almost uh, inevitable that he needed to go there. I mean, of course, uh, a modern politician without any knowledge of history, a dumb person, or or an absolute brainwashed zombie like Joe Biden, he couldn't put two words together, so he could never make any reasoning. I mean, if you ask Joe Biden uh, probably something about the foundation of the United States, he would probably watch you. So. Joe, Joe Biden is like the COVID. He doesn't exist. He's like he's like Joe Biden. He's like hey, I was with a, I was with a president from England in 1996 and, and or France. He said, but he was there already. The president when you were there, you moron. I mean, he's saying things like it's unbelievable, you know, but but Putin, he's not the average uh, politician. He's very educated, very cultured. He's I, a think, guy uh, I think it's not things. a question of the average politician here. Also, it's very important to understand that he is actually an average Russian in the sense uh -huh. that most Russians are interested in history. Most Russians are interested in culture, in Russian culture. Uh, during the Soviet Union, they, they were forced into studying a lot of subjects in, in a very detailed way. And so I think that uh, um, Putin might be exceptional, of course, otherwise he will not be the president still of the Russian Federation after all these years. And of course, also his past as a KGB agent and director of operations for East Germany, which was one of the most important uh, posts for, for that role. Exactly. But, but having said that, uh, um, I went to Russia, as you know, many times. I, yeah. I worked in Russia a long time, also with the Ministry of Culture. So I can tell you that the, the, the Russian culture is, uh, of course, it's at a very high level because, you see, the fact that uh, they didn't, uh, I mean, that everybody was basically forced to study and 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 take basically study until, uh, I mean, until they were 20, 20, everybody would go to university was not an option for, for, for the Russians during the Soviet Union. It was like everybody was kind of... Uh, uh, pushed to study yeah with, with lenin and stalin they, they had to study because they were all illiterate 
And then suddenly the, the level of education went up, even though it was a bit of a, a you know indoctrination and stuff like that, obviously. Yes, we know. Of course, of course. So there was a lot of indoctrination. Of course, the topics that you might learn, also the books that you were given in the school were edited and crafted in a way that you yes. will, of course, praise the Soviet regime. I mean, uh, they will be critical. For example, there is a whole part of the... Of, of the books that you used to study at school, for example, that cite things like Alistair Crowley or Led Zeppelin, and you would be like, what? And I mean, it was because they were pushing the idea that all this music was basically used for propaganda reasons. So um, I was very interested in seeing this old textbook from, from the Soviet Union where they had the people like Alistair Crowley. I, I don't think there is a textbook in school here in the West that features people like him. And so there was an understanding mm -hmm. and uh, that music, cinema were part of culture and they were part also of propaganda. They could be used for psychological warfare. So that's uh, an element that is quite interesting. Having said that, though, the Russians were very much influenced by secret societies, which is a topic, of course, you, you said we will be discussing today. And when it comes to the skull and bones in particular... Yeah, because skull, skull and bones is also known as the Order, the Order 322, or the Brotherhood of, of Death, some, sometimes. There are many movies about this, even there's a movie, The Brotherhood of the Bell, with uh, Superman's father, probably you, you guys remember from Superman 1. And then it's, it's an you know, undergraduate senior secret student society from Yale University that is in New Haven, Connecticut, Connecticut, the oldest senior class society of the university. Columbus has become also a cultural institution known for its powerful alumni and various conspiracy theories. But they're not, there are no conspiracy theories because um, even Anthony C. Sutton uh, uh, said that they were involved in creating, you know, Wall Street and Wall Street creating the rise of Hitler, the rise of the USSR. So, you know, they, they are very influential men, like you see also in the movie Brotherhood of the Bell, you know, um, and, and, and you know some, some about this because, I mean, the 322 also, I've been, I've been told, you know, it comes from Germany or something like that. You also see the Nazis having some kind of a skull and bones too, the pirates. So you, you see this okay, let, in, let me let me let me do a, a brief uh, explanation yeah. of this in connection also with uh, Vladimir Putin and what we are watching. Um, it was Prescott Bush uh, who was a member of the Skull and Bones, like most of the Bush uh, family, and including, of course, George H. Bush, George W. Bush. Uh, all these people have been members. Uh, of uh, the uh, this prestigious organization but it was prescott bush who to fight the soviet union pushed the financing of the nazi party in germany which of course also as we know used the skull and bones as a symbol uh -huh. for the ss uh whatever it's called so i mean prescott bush uh, who was uh, an american banker and a Republican Party politician. He never became a president, but he was definitely somebody who was quite influential in the Senate. Uh, he won the election in 1952, uh, and that was, of course, as you know, right at the start of the Cold War. So there was a tendency uh, in the skull and bones to 
always uh, uh, um, get people who were quite conservative within their establishment. This at least until a few years ago. Then things suddenly changed. So there has been a... Um, how can we say, there has been a dramatic change that brought to the left the whole of the Skull and Bones. And the whole, uh -huh. I mean, Skull and Bones is just one of the many university fraternities, uh, of course, it's particularly influential uh, because it's the oldest senior class society at the Yale University. But it, it is also true that it was born after there were also other organizations already operative there. So it's not really the oldest. It is maybe the most influential because it had a lot of people that became then presidents, that became heads of the CIA, that became people like John Kerry or others. Nowadays, though, uh, from the 70s onwards, uh, the skull and bones has changed, has been utterly transformed. And I'm not the, the only one saying it. This is something that has been said also by The Atlantic, which is an American magazine that has published an article on this topic. And um, basically, there is a lot of left-wing activism, especially uh, from people who actually join uh -huh. organizations like the Democratic Socialist of America. Actually, if you join the Democratic Socialist of America today, you are uh, almost considered, uh, you know, superior to, to... If I went there and I was a Trump uh, fanatic, they would probably not let me in any, anymore. Uh, it, it has completely changed. I mean, the class of 2021, meaning those uh, members who every year are picked up, uh, and there is, mm -hmm. of course... Uh, uh, only a limited number of 15 members that joined the society each year. Well, they they said that there were no conservatives in uh, in the members of 2021. So the skull and bones is now be tra being transformed in the name of equity, inclusion, and wokeness. It's not any longer the skull and bones that, of course, push the the birth of the SS and 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 basically gave money to Adolf Hitler to, to rise to power. And why, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, when, for example, Goebbels, uh, and I explained this also in my, uh, in, in my book, uh, um, Goebbels uh, at one point uh, was, uh, of course, the Ministry of Propaganda, but in the rising uh, National Socialist Movement, he saw himself as being part of a socialist movement. Instead, Hitler explained him, now we are waging war against the communists and the socialists. And that day, actually, Goebbels was apparently very upset with Hitler. Uh, uh, so why did he change suddenly his... He changed because uh, he received the money from Presco Bush, who said, listen, you now have to create an opposition to whatever is communist, because there was a great problem in Germany, the, 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 the Spartacus organization, Spartacus, by the way, being also the initiatic name of uh, Adam Weishaupt, uh, uh -huh. Spartacus uh, uh, organization was promoting socialist communist values, and increasingly there was a threat that the whole of Germany would pass under the influence uh, of uh, the Soviet Union. So that was something that uh, it couldn't be accepted in any way. 
and of course the Illuminati and of course Skull and Bones is it is an Illuminati organization now say Illuminati I explain very much what I intend as Illuminati in my volume one where I explain also what I intend for this definition I mean it's not only the order of Adam Bishop but it's also true that the the, the people who founded the Skull and Bones uh, were connected apparently with uh, a German secret society within a university and of course when it comes to 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 the the secret society of secret societies in Germany operating at, the, at that time, uh, the, the Illuminati had been, of course, prohibited already from the 1780s, but they had transformed themselves and they were known with many different names. So the foundation of the Skull and Bones goes back to people who in some way, and I'm, I mean, talking about of course the Russell Trust Association which uh, was uh-huh. very important because William Attington uh, Russell was a businessman uh, and uh, together with another guy though Alfonso Taft Alfonso Taft was uh-huh. a very important figure within the American juridical system he had been uh, he was a politician, but he had he had the right to be an attorney general. He had been even the secretary of war under President Ulysses Grant. So Alfonso Taft was uh, at one point imagine he was appointed a minister to Austro-Hungary. So I mean he was like uh, very much connected uh, also with Europe and with the European secret societies. And for that reason, uh-huh. he helped create the secret society known as Skull and Bones in 1832 with William Huntington uh, Russell. And, uh, and, and that's really the, 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 the guy who apparently uh, gave the main input to, to, to create this secret society and, and that within a small period of time became... Uh, very very influential also because uh, Russell was connected to the Whig party which was the conservative party of time Um, so he became then later on one of the leaders of the movement which eventually will create the Republican party so here we are right at the Right at the uh, in the early start of America, of course, America is not a very old country. It was established in 1776. So here we are, uh, less than 100 years from its foundation with these bondsmen who incorporated Skull and Bones as the Russell Trust uh, Association. And uh, they gave birth to an organization that was made to collect the best of the best of the various families that were all, of course, originated in Europe, and to, of course, uh, then uh, uh, create a secret society that would bound, that would bound them forever. So the initiation that was also put together for this organization was particularly uh, weird. You go in this tomb, uh, you, you spend the night naked confessing all your... Uh, uh, most dark, your darkest secrets, so that then everybody else around you uh, becomes, uh, in a way, uh, knowledgeable of things that maybe not even your family knows. So they will. That's how 
you uh, still to this day you uh, become uh, a member of uh, the uh, of the skull and bones once you are chosen once you are tapped they come and tap you like and, and like you said there has been some movies that have been made that in a way have uh, um, explained uh, how uh, how this whole thing worked uh, i mean because uh, these movies were quite uh, open and, and show so he the fact that uh, we had this uh, this gentleman coming together and especially alfonso taft i think was the connection with the european illuminati he was probably even more than the russell the the, 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 the. and then of course they made these rituals uh, in a certain way they created a system uh, there is also a lot of value given to the skulls of important people no uh-huh. At one point there was apparently i don't know if it was presco bush who one of the bush family members who was accused of having uh stolen Ger- the Geronimo's. yes skull so. that, that he was spanish because he, he talked spanish he didn't talk english he was actually spanish he, i talked to to his great grandson and he thanked a lot of the spanish people for you know mingling up there you know not colonizing them but but you know keeping them alive because they said the british they were bad bad motherfuckers they killed them all that's what i'm saying that's what he said i mean i'm just repeating you know he's well, i mean he was an apache chief uh president i mean uh, this story apache. Of of yeah. Bush, uh, and his buddies at yell that dug up the grave uh, of, of geronimo must have definitely made the uh, a lot of Indians very angry, <laughs> removing his skull and femur and placing them in the lobby of the tomb uh, back in 1917. I mean, that was something, I think, completely outrageous. But it also, uh, it's in line with the Gothic aspect of the building that was also studied very well for a, ultimately, for a psychological uh, impact when the guy gets initiated into the ultra secretive uh, skull and bone society people like uh, the, the both uh, president bush but also he said prescott the president william howard Taft, senator john kerry that uh, now is giving his position uh, as climate czar to john podesta that i find very interesting because john podesta has also been somebody who has been involved with marina abramovich with uh, uh, that uh, weird, uh, those weird rituals. Uh, we had, though, in the Skull and Bones, also Time Magazine founder, Henry Luce, financer William Donaldson. We have numerous CIA agents that are sworn to secrecies about the uh, rituals. I uh, studied a bit the rituals. I commented them in my books, and I explained how these rituals, of course, uh, are uh, once again... Uh, you know, another charade that is made to belittle also certain religious, because I mean, you have the, 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 the Don Quixote. Yeah, the, the, the Don Quixote uh, ritual. But also they have rituals with the Baphomets. That's how they call the skulls. They even, there is a legend that the Templars, they pick the Baphomets because they put some kind oh, of no, candle when it comes inside to the Baphomet, and talk we to have them. To be very careful because there's been a lot of misunderstanding. In fact, I recently did a show about these topics to show the reality of the Baphomet of the Templars. The Templars, in reality, were worshipping 
a um, a Baphom, a Muhammad on the cross, which is an heresy for, for normal Muslims, but not for the Nizaris, uh, who were actually the Ashashins, the sect of the Ashashins that was working as assassins uh, for the Knights Templars there in the Middle East, because in the Middle East uh, there was a war waging between Sunni Islam and Shia Islam, and uh -huh. uh, the, the, the Shia Islam uh, kind of took the sides of the, the Knights Templars. They, they worked, they collaborated with the Knights Templars uh -huh. uh, to wage war against the Sunni. But this changed with, uh, with Bush and uh, that you just, uh, you know, just sh shown Bush. Bush, Bush of course, uh, family we know, very close to Osama bin Laden. And Osama bin Laden, of course, was not a Shia. So uh, things have changed uh, in the last, uh, let's say, two centuries. Uh, we can say that thanks to Freemasonry, Sunni Islam was brought closer to the West, while eventually Shia Islam will become an asset for Russia. Uh, so <laughs> it's kind of things have changed very much. Uh, but it's very important to understand the importance uh, of the friendship between the, the family of Osama uh, bin Mohammed bin Awad bin Laden, that is his uh, My God. complete That's name, long. who was born in an aristocratic family, the bin Laden family, which was connected with the Bush family. This is something that, of course, facilitated that whole farce, mega ritual, which was 9 11. Exactly. So, it is sad because, of course, uh, the Americans were duped into believing that 9-11 was a genuine attack, when in reality it was a pathetic show set up by, uh, uh, first of all, the father, George H. Bush, who, 10 years, if you remember, in 1991, if I don't get it wrong, I'm pretty sure, actually, he talked about a new world order. When he was himself. a thousand, a thousand lights, a thousand points of light, and then ten years later, his son became involved with. Exactly. The, and this is an interesting element about the interview that actually Putin gave with Tucker Carlson, uh, because uh, he was quite adamant in, in explaining to Tucker that uh, George W. Bush is not an idiot. And actually, he was very much prepared. We always thought about uh, George W. Bush as a simpleton, as somebody, you know, quite uh, uh, who basically his father was just piloting behind the scenes. Uh, this was, uh, I think, uh, the, the speech in which he talked about. See, the, see what he says here. He says a thousand points of light. And, and he repeats this many times. Let's, let's hear it. Points of light. Again, I've spoken of a thousand points of light of all the community organizations that are Shit. spread like stars throughout the nation doing good. I've spoken of a thousand points of light. It's interesting. This a thousand points of light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is like four or five videos. He says a thousand points of light because uh, it is connected to the Sabbatean Frank hysteresis. And uh, so it is pretty interesting, uh, this, this, uh, this whole mention. However, going back to, 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 to Sunni Islam, Sunni Islam, Sunni Islam started to uh, 
become uh, subservient or at least collaborate with the West in the 19th century when uh, um, the English and the French were of course in charge of the Middle East uh, with their enormous influence and eventually they managed to uh, overtake the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire had led the whole of the Middle East uh, for hundreds of years. The, the actual Turks uh, had already overtaken the Shiites of the Fatimid dynasty before that. And uh -huh. then in, uh, I think it was the 13th century, at the beginning of the 13th century, they managed to establish what became the Ottoman Empire, which basically lasted until, until uh, the, the, the 20th century. So in that period of time, though, England and France were not uh, best friends with the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was regarded as a great threat that they should mine in some way. And so they went on mining and mining this uh, uh, and sabotaging left, right and center, this Ottoman Empire until the Ottoman Empire collapsed. And at that point, of course, all hell break loose. And then we arrive, of course, to the creation of Israel later on. But before that, let's not forget that all the countries in the area today, Egypt, uh, Jordan, Iran, they were all part of the Ottoman Empire. Oh. And so when today you see this big farce with these poor people in Gaza who are pushed uh, in Rafa against, uh, uh, don't have anywhere else to go, and do the Egyptians let them in? No, they're building fences. To, so the Egyptians uh, these days are simply operating uh, in, in, in a way that is uh, still, of course, dark and sinister behind the scenes. So mm -hmm. when you like, have like the, like the like the Iranians, the Iranians they're the only ones supporting this. But the Iranians they have a republic. You you know I'm more monarchic than than republican because the monarchies uh, are uh, working. The Iranians, of course, they have become a tool now, of course, close to Russia and close to China. But in reality, yeah. the creation of Iran. And the, 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 the removal of the Shah was facilitated by both Great Britain and the United States of America. Uh, and it's, this might sound weird because with Iran-Contra, with everything that happened after, and with, of course, mm -hmm. the, the problems that a Shia-Iran created, once the Shah was removed, the Shah was a dictator. But he was a monarch. He wasn't a simple dictator. He was somebody mm -hmm. who was in line with uh, the, the Persia. Persia was basically uh, what uh, Iran used to be. So the, the, the Operation Pablavi uh, that uh, brought to, 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 the, to basically pushing uh, Mohammed Reza Pablavi, who was the last uh, Shah of Persia, uh, to leave in 1979 because of this uh, Islamic revolution. We think of this Islamic revolution as a religious revolution. Iran Look at that, Leo. Huh? Leo, do you see that picture? That's the, the Iranian parliament. That, that's so Mason. That's so ma Masonic. Well, that's what I was about to say. We think about uh, the Iranian revolution as a religious revolution, but it's not, it's not at all a religious revolution. It's a Masonic, uh, but not here we are talking about two different forms of Freemasonry because 
a regular Freemasonry of the Iran, lives now in exile as a Grand Lodge, and I think uh, operates here in California, out of all places. Mm -hmm. While instead, the progressive uh, Grand Orient of France was the one that protected, in fact, uh, Khomeini, who raised to power and then uh, became, of course, uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini and gave birth to that hideous monster, which is today's Iran. Iran today, it, it's, it's a dictatorship, but it's not like most people think about it like a religious dictatorship. No, that is also a little bit, you have to understand that Freemasonry and communism and socialism, that is the thing, no? And communism and socialism were the ideologies that were pushed in the university in Tehran at the end of the 60s and that eventually will be embraced even by those religious fanatics that eventually will be driven to create uh, the uh, revolution in Iran and overtake and, and send away. But, of course, all this with a price for the West and also all the gold of Iran was methodically sent to the Vatican in big shipments on planes. So they took all the gold of Iran and they gave it. So when we saw uh, Barack Hussein Obama, Barack Hussein Obama, already the name is Solar Program. I mean, it's obvious that the guy is pretty exactly. much uh, sending a whole uh, airplane full of money in exchange for nothing, because what did we get out of that? Nothing. It was, in a way, to repay back the gold that was instead shipped out of the country during the revolution. So this is unfortunate. Uh, it's, it's an unfortunate thing. I mean, that the, the, the Shah of Persia was, uh, was, first of all, duped into believe that he could use at the end of the 60s a secret police which instead became a almost like uh, the stasi or the gestapo and of course uh -huh. when you have that kind of police the reaction of the people what is is to have a revolution so then a revolution needs to another revolution and needs to basically the transformation of the whole country in this now hold hostage by a bunch of Shia clerics, which are basically Islamo-communists. That is the real problem here. The yeah, because Islam, Islam, Islamic uh, ideology is expansionistic, socio-politic, violent and coercive, and, you know, considers all territories open to conquest. I mean, that, that's where it is, Islam. Okay, Islam, though, like I said, uh, at the beginning... Uh, uh, here we had that always this opposition no, between these two factions, so Sunni and Shia. And the fact that basically the Sunni and Shia uh, have been fighting for a long time, since the beginning, basically, uh, since soon after the death of Mohammed, these two factions started to, because of different belief system, based on the uh -huh. fact that one believes in the traditional um, the traditional Sunni is basically a believer in Abu Bakr and in the fact he was the legitimate caliph. There were four caliphs until the fourth one was Ali, which was the cousin of the prophet and the husband of his daughter Fatima. That became then the moment for the schism. The schism, though, was also piloted by forces that in a way wanted to destroy 
the original Islam. So Islam, mm -hmm. it's not a unitarian, uh, but in the last uh, period, because of this big psychological operation and, of course, uh, of great impact, the attack of the 7th of October, which is not only an attack to Israel, it is a psychological operation for the whole world to see, no? this uh, killing uh, of, of innocent people in the various kibbutz that has uh, instigated this uh, terrible situation. It's all been planned. So in a way, it's kind of, for the first time in over a thousand years, bringing together factions that never, ever, ever in the history of Islam will have even dialogued with each other. I mean, the mm -hmm. fact that Hamas relies on Hezbollah on the north and Hezbollah is Shia and Hamas is Sunni, it is pretty... So it is like uh, these days there is a will to unite all the factions of Islam regardless of their different dogmas or belief system and uh, ignite a war against the West. Mm -hmm. But but it, it, uh, for example, if you go to to uh, there, there is new research by um, what's his name uh, Spencer. I don't know if you if you read Spencer, Robert Spencer. Uh, did Muhammad exist? Uh, everything we have been told about Muhammad uh, by the Muslims about his life, about what he said, uh, even about his city of Mecca uh, and his book Quran, is not proven to be quite suspect. That's what Robert um, Spencer says in in this new book. And there are some people even, uh, if you go to Fandor Films, that they're from Saudi Arabia, they have even converted to Christianity, these guys in this, in this YouTube channel. Okay, the history of Islam goes back... It's, uh, it's just another opinion, you no, know, it's no, another no, information. It's opinion. I mean, the thing is that in Islam you have the Hadiths and then you have the Quran. The Hadiths are the canonical reportage exactly. uh, about the what uh, the friends or family of Muhammad said about this and this other. And then you have, of course, the Quran in itself. You have uh, the, the Sunni who stick to the traditional and here of course when you when you're talking about for example we were talking about osama bin laden osama bin laden was a sunni but having sunni, said yeah. that where did we find osama bin laden die in afghanistan a place where traditionally you have the nizari which are basically the Ashashins, the sect that was used by the Nats Templar. And the modality mm -hmm. which Mohammed Akta and his friends uh, enacted those 9-11 attacks is very much in line with the promises of paradise and virgins after smoking a great joint of Ashish, which in fact is the name Ashish, Ashashins. It's, it's, it's so it comes one. from, yeah. So uh, the, 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 the differences here uh, in, in, in the Islamic world and the fact that uh, in the end Bin Laden was allegedly killed in Afghanistan, well, it's... Uh, and wh why was he there? Was he protected by a bunch of assassins who were not really Sunni? The modality uh -huh. used by his own assassins of Al-Qaeda was not really respectful of... Uh, the, the 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 Islamic faith in its uh, in its tenets. However, however, he was a product of the West. Let's not forget that he was a product of the West. He was uh, Bin Laden's, uh, you know, uh, ways. He was basically somebody who was working 
with America in Afghanistan who then turned against America. But did he really turn against America? Or was he simply on a different mission? Because he managed to, of course, together with the Taliban, bring down uh, the Soviet Union invasion of Afghanistan. And let's not forget, let's not forget one thing. Here, of course, uh, Robert Spencer in his book, very controversial, did Mohammed exist and all that. Now, I have studied very much uh, Islam for a long time. As you know, I was directly involved uh, with, uh, with Islam at one point. So I know a few things about this religion. Uh, I don't think there is any doubt that, uh, that actually Muhammad existed. But the fact that he was this holy man, well, I mean, it's a very controversial topic when you have a mm -hmm. wife who is basically six or seven years old and you are consuming the marriage when she's nine. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, it's, 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 a pretty, it's a pretty controversial topic. I mean, mm -hmm. here you have a guy, and then you have, of course, all the various conspiracy theories uh, who says, uh, you know, who says maybe the Alberto Rivera one about uh, uh, the creation of Islam by the Vatican. Uh -huh. I mean... I must say that to, 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 there is some points that were put through in that alleged testimony by Cardinal Bea reported by Rivera, which are very interesting. I mean, and actually they are factual because it is true that Islam was uh, coming into existence in a moment in which, in which there was, of course, the Byzantium Empire. And it's also exactly. true... And it's also true that the Byzantium Empire uh, later on got, get, got into business with some of these uh, Muslim factions. And, and, and uh, Nestorian Christianity and Arianism is very similar because they don't believe in the Trinity and stuff like that. And, you know, so it's like a mishmash of, uh, you know, Islam, Judaism and Christianity were indistinguishable in Spain even. That's what they say, you know, during the seventh century or sixth century. Let's, let's not forget that, for example, some of the uh, most uh, fierce, crazy grimoire of all time, which is the Picatrix. The Picatrix, was, yeah. Was actually brought to Spain in that period, you know, and it yeah. was actually something that, that uh, we still talk about. I mean, the Picatrix. Uh, it's a work of magic and astrology that without, and, and actually written in Arabic under the title Gayat al-Alkim, and uh, some say it was written in the middle of the 11th century, but all that magic and all that astrology came from the Middle East in a moment in which we had uh, the fall uh, of the Roman Empire. We had basically the darkest ages that will precede then the establishment of the sacred Roman Empire. But uh, of course, uh, everything you are showing now regarding the very early stages. Uh, yeah, I'm, pu I'm putting that name there because Robert Spencer and some other, uh, you know, academics think that Mohammed is this guy. He, this guy. From the Lagni Kingdom, that he really existed, is the one that appears on the Quran a few times, 
but Mohammed is a name from the Bible, means the precious or the um, the good one or the beautiful one. So it's not a, a new name in Islam. And the Allah is another name they used in uh, Southern uh, Europe and Africa for God, like Al, Bel, El, or whatever. So the, And the Nestorian uh, God was similar to what Islam is now, same as Arianism. But they say that they, this guy existed, the Iyasi bin Kabasha Altai. That was the uh, you know the warlord in in the um, Latin kingdom, and uh, you know now, loosely... uh, one thing. Uh, no, here we have to explain uh, that once Islam gets into Persia, because here we're talking about Persia with uh, Yahya bin Khaisa Al Tai, which was. The but it's cabinet. interesting. The, the, this 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 uh, this this you know this lead. This lead is no no. Is it, it's interesting, but uh, the the thing is that it's not factual because uh, I think that is uh, without any question the fact that Muhammad came out of Mecca and out of the Arabic uh, tribes rather than Mesopotamia or Persia. The moment in which uh, actually uh, Islam gets into Persia, gets into Mesopotamia, basically, that's the moment in which then the Shia identity starts uh -huh. to become stronger and stronger and that's the moment in which secret societies from the Zoroastrians the Manichaeans and uh -huh. others, there you go yeah. they infiltrate the uh, what will become later on the lodge of Cairo which basically gave birth to the Fatimid empire the Fatimid dynasty the Fatimid dynasty will be the most powerful dynasty until Saladin and the Turks will uh, destroy them and at that point they will methodically take over and, and, and destroy any residue of Shia Islam within Egypt. Today, if you go to Egypt, it's Sunni Islam. But if you went back into the days of the Fatimid, the Fatimid was Shia. Mm -hmm. And the Fatimid uh, operating uh, at that time gave birth to a lot of other currents within Shia Islam and even other religions, because the Druzes are not Islam, but they came out of that whole thing. Because then, you see, with Shia Islam, you have the 12 Imams uh, before the Mahdi, you have the 12 Imam, the Mahdi, and then you have uh, one point, one guy, is the, the guy who founded the, the, basically the, the Fatimid dynasty in Cairo, he arrived and said, I'm the Mahdi. So, I mean, these people were all crazy, or and, and people went after There was one guy, Al-Kim, Al who basically declared himself to be a god at one point. Uh -huh. But and and, and 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 some people believed in him, and, and they created offshots of the offshot. So that's why the Islamic emergence is really characterized by a very fractured religion. So when you are saying there that this guy could be Muhammad, but this guy is born a long time after Muhammad in theory, because uh, no, it's a six twelve. I mean. The, the way they explain it, they are Flanders films. I'm, I'm very satisfied with the explanation. And because they say Mohammed, like Moses, is a title, it's not a name. It's like the region, and the other one is the Precious or the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Salvatore or something. There, there's a lot of, like you're saying, you know, there's some, a mix, you know, mix up there with some things. And it's quite suspicious. I mean, it's good to just doubt about it and, and just research, you know. Of course. That's why I'm giving I, another, I, I, another lead of information I, 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 here. If I have to be more, more, I mean, first of all, the fact that there is some very important elements that lead us also to uh, 
to one of saying, the yeah. wives of, of, of Mohammed, who was actually Khadija, whose cousin was Christian, who was involved right at the start with Mohammed when he then received this. These, I think, are more interesting because also they are uh, um, often not debated within the Muslim world because, you know, nobody uh, wants uh, Mohammed to be involved with, uh, with a Christian who helped him out in his revelation of the Quran. I mean, <laughs> kind of like... Yeah. That, that, that's weird. That's weird. But but another thing that I want to add here is the Qibla. You know, the Qibla is the position of the mosque, and the position of the mosque, all they don't point to. But let me tell you, when it comes, they down point to, to Petra. Yeah, they point to Petra. So that's what I'm yeah. saying that he's he suspicious. All that. Yeah, but Syria and uh, all the areas, Syria, Iraq, Iran, those areas, uh, ancient Mesopotamic, uh, all, all that area, basically, it's the area that is really filled with secret societies. Filled with uh -huh. secret societies, secret I mean, we probably have the Knights Templars because they were inspired by the secret societies, like the Ashashins that they witnessed themselves when they went there in the Middle East. I mean, yeah. when the Pope himself saw that they had this kind of secret societies, he wanted to build something similar. The Knights Templars were inspired then and created after they saw these secret societies operating in that area specifically iran and then syria those areas were the, the not only important then for of course the origins that, of that was Kufa. persia and the first the first quran comes from there from kufa yeah well uh, th that's why uh, i think that is very important uh, to understand uh, the history of islam and that's why i'm dedicating a lot of time recently into the study of islam so to ultimately then bring out maybe some something that could clear up uh, uh, certain points that are not discussed so uh, i i understand that uh, uh, this uh, Robert Spencer has done uh, maybe a very inquisitive, a very an inquiry in, into the Islam's obscure origins, obscure uh, past, uh, the hidden past of Islam. But it's yes, good to bring uh, bring up some other leads of investigation here, uh, and we make the show more interesting. People now they go, "Wow, that, there's something else, you know, there, you know," and and, and they're more interested. He's a best-selling in author, but he's not. Uh, himself uh, robert spencer from what i understand is not strictly a historian or is not somebody who i mean he is uncovering all this with historical foundations but the fact that is that it's a little bit like you know doubting the existence of jesus uh, there has been people who have been trying to do that uh, authors who have spent a lot of time and mm -hmm. i'm sure that a lot of people will find the this uh, this work that, of course, uh, Spencer has done. From what I know, Spencer has published more than a book about Islam. So he kind of he did he did Mohammed exist like uh, twelve years ago, and then he did uh, the truth about Mohammed, which is another book that he brought out in two thousand and six earlier on. So he's been definitely trying to find out more about. Uh, uh, Muhammad and I'm trying to do the same myself uh, from my own personal experience but also from the research that I'm putting together um, yeah because and, you do a lot of revisionist work so that's why you know I bring out some things and you can next book you know contrast both you know it's, it's, it's great no I mean he is though let's not forget an anti-Islamist he doesn't like Islam in any way shape or form so he's kind of like um well, me, me, me neither. You know that. 
Well, I don't like Islam. No, 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 I'm not saying that you have to like Islam, but uh, I mean, no, I, I don't like do it because, a, a because very objective work. Now, when it comes to Spencer's work uh, on Mohammed, he talks about the Karish. The Karish basically is this uh, clan that uh, hold control over Mecca and, and its Kaaba. Uh, he was made of merchants of people who were controlling the trade routes, which were very important at uh -huh. the time. And it was actually thanks to um, Mohammed's uh, marriage with Khadija that he uh, kind of got in the high level of the society. But the Karish didn't stand him when he had this revelation. In fact, kicked him out of Mecca. Eventually, he will get back into Mecca, destroy all the idols, and then take control of Mecca and make it the holy city of all cities. But before that, he and he died in Medina. Mm -hmm. He transformed Medina into his headquarters, which was um, 12 days by camel away from Mecca. So, so not that close. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was uh, this... Uh, Kadish, Karish uh, tribe, which actually resurfaced after the fourth caliph and started to ventilate the hypothesis of creating their own caliphate. And in fact, after the conversion, I mean, they became converts, but later on they wanted to also have the power, not only the religion. They embraced the faith and then they said okay but we want to be in charge here well, we don't necessarily want only Mohammed, his family and friends to be in charge so uh, that's uh, where the karish kind of resurfaced later on as a problem for the early caliphs uh, and at the end of six, 629 uh, they were very much considered a belligerent faction uh, against what what was because you see the first caliphs were the Rashidun caliphs the Rashidun caliphs were basically the, considered the righteous caliphs and they were all friends and family of the prophet who end up killing each other they all end up killing each other because that is another thing that that over and over again I notice in Islam when I went to visit the tomb of Jalaluddin Rumi in Konya. I heard this incredible story and I started to understand that basically these people were, were really weird because uh, everybody thinks about Rumi, of course, Jalaluddin Rumi, it's a, it's, it's a Sufi. Now, the Sufi, Sufism was not really born with Muhammad. You mm. can say that Sufis started to manifest soon after the death of Muhammad, and later on, around the year 1000, they manifested also in the Shia world. When the, when the Sunni started to persecute the Shia, there was uh, an encouragement, because the Sufis operate like secret societies. They're like Gnostics, right? The Sufis. Yes, they are the Gnostics, Jews, huh? but in fact, this Gnostic element started to become increasingly appreciated also within the Shia world. However, um, Jalal Eddin Rumi is definitely considered the ultimate, uh, you know, the ultimate Sufi, the ultimate poet. He was uh, um, in Iran. The wise, man. the wise man of the, yeah. He was in Iran, in Afghanistan, but then eventually his, 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 uh, his place where he is, his shrine is in Konya, 
and that's where uh, he is uh, he, he ended his life but he himself came from the persian region so he came from all that area which let's not forget this is very important i think that people understand it's not that uh, islam arrived and then everything that was preceding islam was destroyed or eliminated yes mm -hmm. maybe externally exteriorly uh, in uh, in kaaba where you're showing there of course all the pagan idols were removed but all those Zoroastrians, those Manichaeans, those uh, uh, Gnostics of all kinds of shapes or forms are to be found in that area. And also, uh, going back to um, the Hermetic culture, the Her Hermeticism was lost for a period of time in uh -huh. the West. And it was because, like you said, in Spain, there was the Arabs and those... Uh, and those and that knowledge kind of resurfaced into Europe, coming from there, and then arriving mm -hmm. into Italy and giving birth to the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and the Jews, the Jews in Toledo and and Madrid, and Seville, they 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 recoup all that that can because the kings they wanted to have all the arts and the knowledge and whatever scientific stuff that came also from the East. You know, that was very interesting. You know. But, the numbers that we still use are the Arab numbers. No, that the the, the numbers that basically are, are used to this day is not the Latin numbers. It is known as the Arab numbers. So uh, the, the, the fact that uh, you had uh, um, people of great culture in a moment in which Europe was having some great problem, because after the, the, the ending of the, of the Roman Empire, mm -hmm. and then the Byzantium Empire also was attacked left, right, and center. And eventually, we see what happens with Istanbul. Istanbul was Constantinople, which was basically the second Rome after Rome. Constantinople became the most important city. It, mm -hmm. it became the capital of the empire, but it was no longer Christian. The moment they, 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 they arrived there, they established basically the headquarters for the Ottoman Empire. So Islam definitely was and is an expanding religion, mainly because it's easy to become Islamic. And it's sociopolitic. It's sociopolitic and it just absorbs everything around. That's why my solution for Palestine and Israel is both, instead of having two states, they have to convert back to Christianity, like John Adams said in 1776. He said, Jews and Arabs, they have to convert to Christianity, liberal Christianity, and they will be modern and they will be great, like me and Leo. And that's why I want to play now the speech, because we went over an hour by George Bush. Everyone quiet. Let's play it. This, this is scary, guys. So, What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order, where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind, peace and security, freedom and the rule of law. So I say we must clean the house of white America of racism. Americans 
who are in the white majority should be proud to stand up and be heard denouncing the sort of racist rhetoric we heard on that tape. So loudly and clearly denouncing it that our black fellow citizens can hear us. <laughs> white racism may be black people's burden, but it's white people's problem. We must clean our house. Well, that, that was the... the stuff. Well. <laughs> okay, ending, I mean, both, uh, both uh, Bush father, Bush senior, and, and, and Clinton, uh, two people who definitely pushed for, uh, for, for, uh, for war and more war. Uh, eventually, they, they also, you know, like Clinton, the whole show of the Oslo Peace Treaty was a pathetic show, of course, but uh, it seemed truthful at the time however uh, the problem here remains when it comes down to israel of course the, the fact that they have created of course the state of israel because israel was in uh, was something that needed to be created it was of course uh, uh, in, in, in the prophecies, also the Christian prophecies that the people of Israel need to go back to their land. But at the same time, they, 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 they push the Jews persecuting them left, right and center from Europe, from Russia, mm -hmm. the pogroms and everything. So you can't really blame the Jews for now wanting to defend at all costs their country surrounded by Muslim countries. Uh, the fact that they want to create Palestine with Palestine simply didn't exist. But then if you want Palestine to exist, why don't you give a piece of Egypt, a piece of Jordan, a piece of... The, the thing here, the, the great hypocrisy of what we are seeing at the moment is Egypt that is building fences to block their alleged brothers of the Islamic faith from joining and saving their life. And why don't they open the borders then? This is a question. I, I, no, I understand. I, I mean, if we want to be so honest about this whole thing, why is Egypt playing in a way that is completely contrary to any reasoning? Because if I am there trying to say, oh, this is, you know, Islam, Islam, Islam is our faith that unites us, you are persecuting as Islamic brothers. And of course, we had uh, until 10 years ago, bit more than 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, also the Muslim Brotherhood that was in power in Egypt. And the Muslim Brotherhood was a great creation of Freemasonry from the West that basically created all these factions that ultimately have brought us these terrorist factions to life. I mean, the, 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 now the last, of course, are the Houthis, but if we go back in the history of terrorism and all those terrorist factions, including Hamas that was chartered uh, in the second half of the 80s, uh, and, and of course blames... But, but have you, sir, excuse me, Leo, have you ever seen a, a Christian terrorist? i never seen Christian terrorists at all. But they would not have been even Islamic terrorists if it wasn't for those Freemasons in the West who pushed... I know, the, the same as Israel. Remember in the 40s and 50s, they, they had also their own uh, terrorist group bombing the British embassy and stuff like that, even killing one of the ministers. But it, my, my, my solution is the best, because Brother Nathaniel, that he was Jew, he talked about this. I know he's very controversial, Brother Nathaniel. Ooh. Brother Nathaniel. 
He's a, he's a Christian Orthodox priest. Ah. He's Jew originally. Uh, he was with Alex Jones the other day. He was he uh, was with Alex right. commenting on this. And he said he said they have to convert. And I, I I think I think he's right. If they convert to Christianity like us, we we've been Christians for a long time. I mean, I'm not I'm not like practicing Christian. You know you know what I am. I'm more like over there. You know, anarchist or whatever. But I'm I'm okay with Christians. You live with Christians. You're a Christian. Your family is Christian. Everyone is Christian around. And modern society yeah, was. Good. We are we are Christians because we come from the from a Judeo-Christian background in Europe. Uh, the West is, of course, uh, more civilized because they had embraced Christianity. But if you think that these people will suddenly embrace Christianity, you're out of your minds, guys. But you have to be realistic. I mean, I don't know what goes on on the Alex Jones show, but uh, the, 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 because, like I said, I don't follow it. But uh, I can say that to think even hypothetically that these people will change their fate and throw away more than a thousand years of history, it's completely insane. We, we need to understand that they have their own culture, that they were brought up, you know, since, uh, uh, I mean, there was, like I said, there was the Byzantine Empire. I mean, the Byzantine Empire That's right. That's right. preceded, preceded the parts of uh, all, all those uh, elements that... Uh, then, for example, went uh, like the, the, the Arabs that then conquered uh, and, and, and ruled Sicily. They were in first they were Christians, then they embraced Shia Islam, and then they went and ruled for the Fatimids uh, Sicily. But well, but they, they, they were forced to embrace. They, they didn't embrace. They were forced to do that. I think that uh, uh, they 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 were all moved also by their own convenience, uh, you know, by their own interest. So some of them were forced, but some of them also were moved by their own interest, economic interest. Uh, well, I get it, oh, economic, yeah. But once you're Christian, you never go back to any other religion. Not Hindu, not. But, but well, let, let's let's see what uh, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I'm being very pro-Christian, not being Christian. You see, because but there is I, I never we, we go through an evolution here. Okay, but it's never been in the history of uh, religious. The, apart history. from apart from the moment in which, rather peacefully, the Normans managed to get Sicily back to Christianity. Uh, we have to understand the Sicily, for example. How did the Arabs arrive in Sicily in the first place? They arrived in Sicily in the first place because they were called in by a there was a revolt there, and the Byzantine Empire was incapacitated and asked for the Muslims to help them. And rather than help them, they arrived there and invaded the whole invaded the whole place. Now, I'm talking about Sicily because I'm, I'm half Sicilian, so I know of course, of course. the history of where I come from, and I can tell you that. Uh, uh, that of course they were forced conversions, especially because the first Arabs, the first Muslims to arrive to Sicily were this, were Sunni and were rather peaceful in their approach compared to the Shia. Once the Fatimids arrived, and then their proxies later on, uh, they were forceful in their conversions. They went uh, like uh, in one day they will uh, take fifteen hundred children. And they will exercise the the the, the circumcision in in, in 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 a barbaric way, and a lot of the children, of course, died of infections and stuff. And uh -huh. they did it in one day. Fifteen hundred children in Sicily were forced into that conversion. So 
Of now, course. now I understand where the mafia comes from Sicily then. Yeah, no, and that that is there are tough people there. No, there are no, tough no. people there. If you want to know a little bit more about that, Mafir was the name of a tribe, Arab tribe that was ruling over Palermo. And uh -huh. Mafia is also the name of the Islamic tax, basically translated, is the tax exactly. that was paid. If you want to open a business, you have to pay this tax. And that's what Mafia does still to this day. The government. So there is the government. Aside from the Masonic origins of the Mafia, which are truthful, there is, of course, the Masonic origins of the Mafia. There is also the ethnic uh, origins of the Mafia, which are to be found uh, which, within the presence of Islam in Sicily for uh, 300 uh, past years. So, Leo, we're going to wrap it up here with yeah. the very last one minute of Anthony Cesarin talking about he, how he uh, unraveled the mystery of skull and bones. That was Leo Th uh, Zagami. Uh, I, I almost like pronounce it like the Bolognese. Le Leo Zagami. La pizza me piace molto. Come no, Porque parlano così in San Marino. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, which is part of it. Mi manca, mi manca mio italiano. I, you uh, see, I, 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 still, I still remember. Uh, I, I, I going back to brief talk about Italy, Italy has to be understood that it's divided in two uh, by Rome and the north of Italy never saw the Islamic occupation. That's why the south of Italy from Naples going downwards is a completely different uh, place, different kind of culture, different kind of food. And you arrive the more south you go, the more Arabic it gets. And you arrive to the south of Sicily, in which basically you are eating uh, the same things you eat in North Africa. So that's, that's the problem, people. That's why you have to go to northern Italy, where they're Christianized. They had the great um, Massini there. One of the <laughs> no, no, uh, Massini and all the people who came after with. Uh, uh, what uh, the Risorgimento, they were Freemasons, they didn't care about religion. Actually, they were pretty much anti-religious because they identify the Christian faith with the Vatican that needed to be uh, taken uh, to permit the unification of Italy. So... I'm Franco Nero. I'm Franco Nero and Rafael Acarra. Well, Rafael Agarra, I think, was one of the most influential artists. Uh, people maybe don't know who she was. From but... Rimini, from Rimini. Great, great, great city. If you're watching us from Rimini, we say hi to Rimini. No, but uh, she was probably more influential than Federico Fellini in the sense that uh, his, her dancing, her, her, she was very popular in Spain, she was very popular in Portugal, she was very popular and in, in North South America. Uh, she was a great ambassador of the Italian culture um, in, in a time in which you didn't have the internet, you didn't have uh, this uh, technology that uh, puts us all together in front of the something Nintendo, the, huh? the PlayStation. We, we didn't have even cellular phones and no. we just call each other from the house. But hey. uh, I must say that the incredible thing of the rise of Raffaella Cara within the world of the, the entertainment business, I mean, she went from being the girlfriend of Frank Sinatra here in America, abandoning Hollywood, going back to Italy and instead uh, rising into the Italian mainstream. And then later on, uh, because she was really good with languages, she spoke good Spanish, she actually went and entertained the whole of the Latin American world. It was of course. kind of a, quite an amazing story.
and, and, English, and she was not a Mason. And we say hi here. We say hi to all Italy. Italy, a great country. So I, I hope all the tractors and farmers well, and growers go out. The tractors, uh, we know what is happening with the farmers all over Europe. You cited it at the beginning of, of the show. Um, at the moment, from what I know, the actual organizations that are closest to the unions are almost abandoning the protest. However, there is some hard line, some people who are going to revolt or at least want to continue with the protest. And amongst them, there is the old direction of the Forconi movement with Danilo Calvani. Having said that, knowing the people who are involved with Danilo Calvani, I would say that this is another pathetic show that precedes the European elections and that behind closed doors, they will find a way to eventually stop this protest. Because you see, they are protesting for the future of not only the farmers, but anybody who wants to farm, even privately, you want to grow a crop. This is actually considered in the future a crime by the New World Order and the European Union. An enemy, a the fascist. One, that wants to prohibit any form of... Uh, Autosufficiency, self-sufficiency. Self growing your own products and stuff, Absolutely. of course. Absolutely. So and they, they call they call him fascist because they produce and they eat. That's what, what the president from Spain said the other day. He said, "No, no. If you eat and and produce um, um, and produce things, you're a fascist. These tractors and these farmers are fascists. They are entrepreneurs. I mean, it's so I, fucking crazy, man. My own experience with the, 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 with of course also the farmers which participated in the Forconi protest ten years ago is that unfortunately." most of them will be uh, eventually sent back home with some vague promise and they will probably believe in it. I don't know, really. I don't, I don't think that Europe can peacefully be put back uh, in, 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 I mean, the sovereignty of Italy and of all the other countries now jeopardized by the European Union technocratic dictatorship. We'll see. We'll see, Leo. Don't worry. I, I trust it's, it's our last bullet. The farmers and the growers. Hopefully. Get my books. There, Leo's books. Show them again on Amazon. You can get them on Amazon or go on leozagami.com for all my latest articles. And God bless you all, guys. And God bless you too, Leo. You're, you're, you're awesome, man. Very interesting conversation today. I'm Tom Rivers and you're not, and you'll see me soon. Bye-bye. I'll be with the chief farmer in Spain and Portugal in one hour. Bye. Ciao. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good luck. Subscribe. Adiós, le pido. Por los hijos de mis hijos y 